Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. I worked telemarketing jobs for uh, years while I was in college. One of my good friends back here, we, we worked some telemarketing jobs together. Let me just go ahead and tell you, and for anyone else in here who has worked telemarketing, it is absolutely miserable work. Like that, I got more amens with that than maybe I'll ever get. All right. But it is, and I mean, so I want you to just imagine for a second if whenever you call someone and you identify the company that you're with or who you are, and you hit, then all of a sudden you recognize the disappointment on the other end, that starts to mess with your mental health over a period of time. But then I remember what it was like whenever I finished college and I started teaching college, first at East Tennessee State and then in Kentucky, and I had this just overwhelming, wonderful feeling of I'm actually helping people. I have a purpose with my life. It feels like there is something deeper that is going on within me. And this is just absolutely wonderful. And then that feeling that I had within exponentially grew. It was magnified when I knew I was called into ministry and and took a church in eastern Kentucky. Because all of a sudden I recognized this is why I'm here. Like now I have a deeper understanding Regarding spiritual gifting, what I'm doing here on planet Earth. So my point is this. If you could discover why you were born and live your life within the fullest potential, wouldn't that be desirable? So if you could discover why you were born, okay, even beyond your career, as happy as most of us are, we do have our kids in here, K through five on fifth Sundays, being a mom, being a dad, being a close friend of someone. But if there is a deeper part of your life that maybe is completely undiscovered or untapped, would it not be worth understanding exactly what that is? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We are in week four of our 2023 vision series, A Mess Worth Making, and we're discussing three messy shifts that will take place in 2023 as we look toward the future. So to give you guys just a little bit of a recap, some of you have been here every Sunday, a few of you have missed one or two. Also, this is the third shift, but it's not going to be our last week because next week's going to be very special. We're going to be tying all of this together and talking about the future generation. All right, so that's good because we're really, really focused at our church on the future generation. So on January the 7th, we covered shift number one, and this is we must make the shift from a home church to a sending station. This means that we understand the gospel mandate to scatter, scatter the gospel in other places. Last week, what we talked about was shift number two, and this was from church attenders or consumers that can set 
in a chair or a pew and never do anything and, and, and completely miss the call that we all have in our lives to make disciples on an individual basis, not just a corporate church basis, but on an individual basis. Today is the third and final shift, and it's this. We desire to take people from volunteering to spirit-filled gifting. And I'm going to talk about the importance of volunteering because volunteering, we have, we have a lot of people who are serving and volunteering in our church every single Sunday, and we're very, very grateful for that. In fact, let me just say this really quickly because there are some of you who get here, every, uh, get here early every single week if it's to make coffee, if it's to open a door. We know obviously with the tech and the band guys, they're here very early if you're working in kids' ministry, can we just give a round of applause for the people that are serving? Because I know that, that there are some people who come into church and they don't recognize sometimes what it takes uh, to pull off everything that happens on a Sunday morning. So we're just really, really grateful to the people that are serving. So for the sake of clarity, I want to provide some important information, and then we're going to dive just a little bit deeper in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in just a minute. But I want us to look at something for just a second. First, to serve or volunteer in the local church is a wonderful thing. It's an absolutely amazing thing, and we have a high percentage of our people who serve and work in the church on a regular basis. It's often a connecting point for many people. So what that means is that you, you develop a deeper connection with someone else serving in kid, kids' ministry, someone else that's holding the door open, someone else that works in security. It's kind of a touch point for a lot of people to get deeper into the church, and that is a very good thing. That's a very positive thing, but here's, here's the rub for me. As a church grows, and we believe this is healthy, when a church grows, we are often just kind of feeding a machine. And what I mean by that is that in the business world, in the corporate world, you know that if things are expanded, you have to scale. That's absolutely necessary. But when we see more people coming, we are in the process of developing a plan for two services. So whenever we start to talk about these things, we're all of a sudden like, we need more people for kids ministry. We need more people to make coffee. We need more security. We need more people to do this. We need more people to do that. That's not necessarily always identifying a person's calling. Now, sometimes it can be. You can have a person that goes into kids' ministry, and after a short period of time, they're like, I really feel like it's my calling in life, not even necessarily to lead a kids' ministry, but maybe just to be able to work with kids and to disciple kids on a regular basis. So your, your calling or whatever it is in your life that you want to call it, your spiritual gifting, discovering those things, it can definitely happen that way, but a lot of times it doesn't happen that way. And it just turns into a role that we have that, again, is very, very important. But what we're talking about is taking this deeper. We're talking about helping people discover their purpose in life. So this is the best way that I can say this. Volunteering is a good way for people to develop relationships, plug into the local church, and often, a lot of times, discover their spiritual gifting. Okay, a lot of times it does work that way, but volunteering doesn't necessarily, it can, but doesn't necessarily lead to heart change or discovering a deeper purpose. My calling, and listen, I'm a family man, okay, I, I, and I love my, my career at the college, but my calling on my life is the very essence of what I am. 
from the moment that I wake up until I go to sleep. And I'm not just talking about preaching in this specific church. I'm talking about the work that God has given me to do on planet earth. All right. And I believe firmly if you're in here and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, of course, repentance is necessary. Heart change is necessary. All of these things are instrumental as we follow Jesus. But the calling for every single person in here is to, to discover the gifting that God has given them. Sometimes your gifting lines up with your talents. Sometimes your gifting doesn't always line up with exactly what your talents are. So that can be a little bit tricky, but this is my, my desire for every person that is here, every person that's part of our church that's not here, those listening online, for you to have a deep understanding of why you're on planet Earth. Some of you are often asking the question, okay, well, I know that I teach, I know that I'm a nurse, I, I know that I take part in this, I know that I volunteer in these activities, I know that I work in retail, I know that we're working on this startup, but, but what is life about? Like, why am I here? What does this all mean? And you know, you may be asking these questions if you're even in your 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. It's never too late to start asking these questions. Why is it that I'm actually here? Let me tell you this. It is deeper than your career. It's much more exhaustive than your hobbies. And it even goes further than your role as a mom a dad, a husband, or a wife. In fact, we all in here, if we're parents or spouses, we have a biblical mandate for those things already. But I would actually argue that your spiritual gifting informs your career. Your spiritual gifting informs your role as a mom or a dad, as a husband or as a wife, as a friend. So understanding your spiritual gifting is, is very important. So in our passage today, the Apostle Paul is describing how and why God gives spiritual gifts. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to be, and we're going to look at the, ver uh, the first seven verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. This is what the scripture says, and this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. You know that when you were Gentiles, you were often misled by false gospels, I'm sorry, false gods that can't even speak. So I want to make it clear to you that no one says Jesus is cursed. When speaking by God's Spirit, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different spiritual gifts but the same Spirit. There are different ministries and the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. A demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. So spiritual gifts are given to every Christian. Did you notice that? It said everyone. Every single person in here has a set of gift, gifts and a gifting that they are supposed to use. And the purpose of this, as Paul just told us, is for serving others for the common good. So here is the really good news for every person in here, because you've got these people, and I know you're in here right now, 
and you say, I'm just not good at anything. Like, I don't know what God would be calling me to do. I don't sing. I'm not a public speaker. I'm not very good with kids. All of these roles that seem that, that, that the church needs that are taking place, I just don't really feel that I'm necessarily good at those things. But this is what amazing is amazing about you being born into the Imago Dei or the image of God. Every single person at Believer's Church, every single person that is in this room right now has the ability to touch people and work in individual lives that I simply can not reach. Even if you don't recognize it, even if you're not willing to acknowledge it, even if your mom and dad have, have just beat you down and you have all these negative things that have been said about you in your life, you are unique. You are special. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are knit together in your mother's womb for a special kind of work. As you just say, well, I'm just a police officer, or I'm just a, a bus driver, or I'm just this, or I'm just that. Those are all wonderful things, but your life must go deeper. And aren't you just a little bit curious as to what that could look like, as to what that could be? And then you've got the crowd that this is what they'll say. Well, I'm just waiting for God to reveal my spiritual gifts. And this person's, you know, maybe 79 years old. I'm just waiting as if just it's going to fall out of the sky and God is going to tell you what to do. The best thing you can do is start to involve yourself and pray, God, reveal to me. And I will be obedient. I will walk through any and every door that you open in my life so that I can get an understanding of what it is that I'm doing here and why it is that I am here. So the primary purpose of your life is to learn and use this gifting for the benefit of your family, the benefit of society, but most importantly, and through the body of Christ, the proclamation of real, revealing the kingdom of God on earth. This is what the passage tells us. Spiritual gifts are given to every person. I'm sorry, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. There are different spiritual gifts, but the same spirit. And there are different ministries and the same Lord. And there are different activities but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. So what is Paul showing us first? There are different gifts, different ministries, and different activities, but they all serve the same God. And I would also mention, if we read further in this passage, the spiritual gifts that are mentioned are not exhaustive. There are more and more and more spiritual gifts that continue to be Revealed. So what this passage tells us is that there is a great diversity of gifts that are brought about for the edifying of the body and the glory of God. But this is a key, and I just want to stay here for just a second, because this is what happens in a church that is starting to grow. And as growth comes, change comes. And this is very difficult. There have been some very, very special things there has been life change. There was a child saved at worship night last week. God is doing amazing things in this church right now. But this is what is so important. You recognize what I said about the same God. There are all these ministries. There are all these giftings. There are all these different areas. But listen, the gifts must ultimately produce unity. 
And the reason that you see the damage in the church and the reason that you see the complaining about the church and the reason that you see people, I'm not going to church because of this person, that person, the way that this person lives is because we are not unified. And this is what I'm going to challenge you to do. If you have an issue, because we are talking about a future that we can't create that only God can reveal. We are talking about changing this region. We are talking about turning things upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not talking about just building a church and following all these little plans online so that we can get all these people that are unhappy with their other church in this church. We're talking about a countercultural, unified community in which people say, I don't like this person, I don't like that person, but you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to walk to that side of the church and say, brother or sister, I've had an issue with you. I'm holding something right here. I have this anger inside of me. I have this bitterness inside of me. And I need to tell you that I'm sorry. I believe that this is bigger than me. I want our community to see something that doesn't look like the workplace and doesn't look like people bickering and griping about everything else. So I'm going to take my teeny tiny little thing. I'm going to put it at the foot of the cross and we are going to follow Jesus together, unified. There is no unity in this world. You've been on Twitter lately? It's a dumpster fire of American individualism. Everyone hates one another. The church is supposed to be different. Now, if this person doesn't know that you have a problem with them and it's going to freak them out, maybe you just need to settle this in your own heart. Maybe before you leave together, yeah, don't cause, don't cause more disunity. I didn't know you had a problem. Oh, you were mad about that? Well, let me tell you what I'm mad about. But maybe in your heart today, you just need to find this place in which you're like, God, my heart's not right. And I, and I think I'm right with how, how upset I am. And I think that maybe, maybe I'm right in the way that I feel. But what if I'm the person? Or if, what if I'm part of the group of people that are holding everything back? We must produce unity. Later this year, uh, we're going to do a series on spiritual gifts, and it's going to give you guys also uh, some information from the stage, but also in our community groups. We're going to do some different assessments, and what we're going to do is try to help you understand, because I can tell you as a pastor, the most common question that I get is, what are my spiritual gifts? Like, I don't really understand. Like, I know maybe some things that I'm good at, but I don't really have a firm understanding of where my gifting is. What we want to do is unleash the body of Christ to use their gifting. So you'll get this both here, and you'll get this also in your groups. An emphasis here is going to be what Paul talks about in Ephesians 4 with what we call the five-fold gifting. Right, the five-fold gifting that he talks about is apostle, prophet, evangelist, thank you, uh, shepherd, and teacher. So this is what we're going to be paying attention to. So David Fitch identifies this incredibly in this really short book. You should read it. It's called Seven Practices for the Church on Mission. It's a very, very short book. But he says this, and this is the problem with people like me just around, around the country. He says, in the years 2014 and 2015, internet conversations arose concerning the prevalence of narcissistic personality disorder among pastors of large churches. 
the answer, so, so this is the issue. Would you, would you guys agree with some of maybe the pastors that you follow, some of the scandals that you see, some of the things that are going on? All of this celebrity and this platform is given to one individual. And as a result of that, this one individual does not know how to handle that because this one individual was never intended to hold that or carry all that on, on this person's own. Okay, so the answer for this practice is a five-fold authority. For Jesus, authority in the kingdom would be exercised no other way. There would be no hierarchy, no coercive power, no one person ruling above another person. Listen how beautiful this is. His model is mutual. His model is shared, a shared leadership under one Lord. So this is something that we have to learn how to practice. And let me just say this as far as this narcissistic personality disorder. This is one of the biggest changes in me in pastoring in, in my 30s and pastoring in my 40s. This is probably the best way to say it. I was at a church that was just rapidly, very, very quickly growing. We went from one service to three services in less than three years. And I felt like at that time, I, I knew that God was leading me. I trusted that, but I felt so much confidence in my leadership. And I felt like, you know, God is definitely just going to use me to do this and me to do that. And if it was a moment of pressure, if it was a moment of conflict, I was ready for it. Now, let me tell you the difference in my 40s, because I feel like we're supposed to gain in this confidence, at least in society. But what it's done is it's just caused more and more and more uncertainty in myself and more dependence upon him. Because I am telling you that probably the most common statement in my life, other than good night, kids, I love you, good night, Beth, I love you, probably the most common statement in my life is, Lord, I can not do this on my own. And I'm going to tell you what God has done. God has put people around me and around some of you in this church that maybe for the first time in their lives, or maybe just uh, something that they've brought to this church, they are starting to just come around me and pray for me in a way that I have never experienced in my life. Because I am telling you, arrogance even confidence, anything like that, for me personally, I am telling you that I have died. I am dead. It, it is about the blood of Jesus and what he is doing in this place. And I'm, I am telling you, I have no desire. If no one ever knew my name, you guys would probably be better for it. And that's, that's the only, that's just didn't even plan on saying that today, but that's just something that I knew that I needed to share. Okay, so using our gifting, and again, we're talking about unity, we're talking about working together, we're talking about dying to self. Using our gifts builds the body. And that's what we want to do, because there is no power on this earth like the body doing kingdom we work. Uh, work. What we want to do is we want to pro, uh, produce what Paul calls the common good. Not the good for one person, certainly not the good for the leader, certainly not the good for the pastor, but the common good. The church world gets ugly because the body fights. The church world gets ugly because we go in different directions. The church world gets ugly because we are so selfish and we are so opinionated. And the second that we walk out this door, we will absolutely rip people to shreds. Maybe that's a spiritual gift. Like gossip. Mine's tearing people apart. That's what I do. Well, but I think that may be the case for a lot of people. Verse 7 says this, a demonstration of the Spirit, showing the Spirit, the pneuma, the power of God in people's lives is given to each person 
Not just those that seem super talented. It's given to each person. It's given to the broken. It's given to those hurting kids that parents told them they weren't worth anything. God takes those ashes and turns it to beauty. For every single person, all you have to do is come to Jesus. Common good is about the collective body elevating Christ, not you in a consumeristic fashion getting your little piece of happiness. This is so hard for us. And I'll tell you the reason that it's hard for us. We grew up in the West and we were born and bred on American individualism. We take it in. That's what we understand. And this is a God for so many people. It used to be said that the devil was evil, writes Glenn Packiam. This is a great book. It used to be said that the devil was evil. But in America today, anything that stands in the way of authentic self-expression is evil. That's what's evil today. It's all about my rights, my life, my decision, me, 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 me. But what scripture tells us is that we give it all away and we use our spiritual gifts and we die at the foot of the cross and we love our brothers and sisters. And then all of a sudden people outside of the church are saying, there is something different about that community. Something looks different whenever I go there. They actually seem happy. They actually seem like they're nice people. They don't look like the Christians we hear on like these 45 second blurps on TikTok. <laughs> like they actually look like good people. Philosopher Charles Taylor brilliantly wrote this. He called it expressive individualism. He wrote, our pursuit of flourishing, flourishing means the good life, is all about, and I love how he says this, our individual life project. Like everybody has this individual life project. Like what direction should my life go? What is going to be best for me? How is it that I should do this? He goes further. We are deeply drawn towards God, but we also sense how following him, how doing this life, and this is the crossroads that some of you are at right now, dislocate and transform beyond recognition the forms that have made life tolerable for us. You see, we need things to make life tolerable for us. TikTok, pornography, self-harm, mass consumerism, and on and on and on. He goes further. We often react with fear, with dismay, with hostility. We are at war with ourselves and responding differently to this inner conflict. We end up at war with one another. People can't stand one another. You see, our ideas of progress progress, going forward, a good society, all these options, efficiency. You're an American. Most of you, you know the language. Our ideas of progress have taught us how to take people made in the image of God and destroy them. And we're getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And you know what we do as a society? We throw out more solutions, more solutions, but the church is bad. But the church can't do this. But when the, when the body is released with their spiritual gifting and they unify together, we show this counter-cultural community that the world has never seen. You see, there is a simple and straightforward answer to this worldwide crisis. It is. You, you want the answer to this worldwide crisis? Here it is right here. This is it. Very simple. This may be what you came for today. We've already looked at the verse, 12-7. A demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. I love 
my addicted neighbors. I love my poor neighbors. I love the people who are in the trenches struggling. And if it means bringing out the common good to show the reality and the goodness of God that has been dirtied up, let's be honest, by church people for way, way too long. You see, I've come to a different thought lately. I felt like, and, and, and this is something else that I didn't plan to, to, to share, but the Spirit is leading me in this direction. You know, whenever I was called to this area, I thought it was because God wanted me to do something big. But I've reevaluated my thoughts. I felt like there was something, and I don't know how many years ago, was supposed to happen here. So it wasn't about me in any way. It was something about some of you that have continued at this church for, for 20 years that you've been here for the beginning. God wants to do something here. And there are some of us that have just been fortunate enough to be kind of pulled along for the ride for what God wants to do in this place. Your life has purpose. Your life has deep meaning. But I can promise you that it's messy. I'm of the belief that we don't have to bring in a lot of talent from other places. We don't have to get on Indeed and start looking at, well, we need this, this killer person to do this. We need this person that's relevant about this. We need this person to do that. I believe God wants to raise up the laity that is in this place right now. Now, God may send other people, and God has sent other people. Listen to this. Kentucky, New York, Arizona, Florida, California, Virginia, India, uh, India we hope. Indiana, <laughs> South Carolina, and beyond. People are drawn here because of the work that God wants to do. And I would hate to know, as I'm closing, I would hate to know that I could get to the end of my life because some of you may feel that you're close and others of us, we just don't know. But I would hate to know that I could get to the end of my life and miss what God has for me. God may be calling some of you into pastoral ministry. God may be calling some of you into kids or student ministry. God may be calling some of you because of your compassion for kids into a, into a ministry for poor kids outside of the, the church. God be, could be calling some of you into a different form of outreach ministry. Some of you have a history with alcoholism or addiction. Some of you have a history uh, with pornography and struggles that fall into those kinds of areas. Some of you have struggles with so many different things. And how strange is it, I know that this has been the case in my life, that your story ends up being your, your message. But where you have to start and where you have to recognize is that it's not about you. It's about the cross of Christ. And what is it as these giftings are revealed? What is it that you need uh, to leave behind? So I choose this option. And this is coming from the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. Serve each other 
according to the gift each person each person or every person has received as good managers of God's diverse gifts good managers means that you are taking those gifts and you are using those gifts whoever speaks should do so as one who speaks God's word whoever serves should do so from the strength that God furnishes. Do this so that in everything God may be honored through Christ Jesus. As we finish up at least the three shifts, this part that we've been in for the last three weeks, the question that I have for you, not corporately because I know where we are as a body, But as individual followers of Jesus, do you desire for your life to make an eternal impact? With all heads bowed and all eyes closed. Father, we come to you this morning grateful for your love, grateful for who you are grateful for continuing to provide and take care. And Father, I just want to thank you for the tomorrow that we can't see. I want to thank you for down the road a year from now, Father, as we try to, to strategize and, 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 and figure out what things are supposed to look like. God, we pray for obedience. We pray for humility. We pray for submission to the work, Father, that you are bringing about. God, I pray that you reveal gifting in this room. I pray that this year is just an absolutely life-changing year for people who are seeking to go deeper and further with you. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Communion, or the Eucharist, is critical because it moves the pastor from the center of a stage and puts the uh, focus on the table as the center of everything. The Lord's Supper is a way for us to experience the grace of God and the goodness of God together as a body and remember the sacrifice that was made for our sins. This is a practice for Christians, and we do this because we were following the example of Jesus at Passover. In a minute, you'll have the opportunity to come forward uh, to take a piece of bread or in a cup. They are packaged together, tiny like this. We've got them over here and also on this side over here. And you can take these at your pace as we start to worship together. If you'd like to come to the altar, if there's a brother or a sister or a friend that you need to pull to the side, if there's someone that you see that, that seems isolated and you'd like to partake in communion with them, That is absolutely fine. It is at your pace. The bread represents the body of Christ broken for us. And the cup represents the blood of Jesus that was poured for us. This is worship. Today, a common theme we've discussed has been the importance of unity. Before we partake... I'd like to challenge you with this question. Are my relationships within the body of Christ 
motivated by selflessness? And am I at peace with every person in this room? If not, I want to challenge you within your heart to make this right before you partake. Philippians 1.20 says, in my, It is my expectation and hope that I won't be put to shame in anything. Rather, I hope with daring courage. I love that. Daring courage. That Christ's greatness will be seen, or some translations say magnified in my body. Now as always, whether I live or or die. What does it look like for Christ to be magnified? For starters, it looks like spirit-infused unity. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.